1: I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today our special guest is Dylan Stewart, entrepreneur, writer, and founder of the Mac Whisperer, a computer consultation company that specializes in making technology simpler.
2: And I'm Mary Elkins. Dylan founded the Mac Whisperer 20 years ago after a stint in the entertainment business and since has managed computer systems for individuals, home businesses, and large companies. He teaches a monthly class on a wide range of technological systems and specializes in helping people get organized, become more productive, and declutter their lifestyle. He's also a
1: life coach and his company, North Star Man, helps men and women to solve their problems and guides them to build their dream lives. Welcome, Dylan.
3: Thanks so much for having me, ladies. appreciate being here.
2: Great to have you. Your work in entertainment technology and as a life coach couldn't be more different, or are they? Talk about that. And please tell our listeners about your background and how you started in business and what led you to found the Mac Whisperer and North Star Man.
3: Well, you know, I I grew up in the Hollywood Hills. My father was a screenwriter. My mother was an interior designer. And um, from that union, I got some really good and interesting background and the people that I met and the situations that I found myself in. And so in the entertainment industry, problems came up rapidly and I had this tool set from what I'd grown up with, the technology that I'd had as a background in my life to solve the technological problems that existed in the film industry, whether it was helping somebody with their phone sheet or helping a a particular client get a script out there or any of those things. the Background with my father's writing helped with that. And that concept of being able to solve problems floated over at a certain point, I left the entertainment industry and I stepped right into doing software work and doing technology help because I'd had that experience in the entertainment industry. I realized that solving tech problems was just, you know, another form of solving problems. Along the way of working with the Mac where I helped all sorts of people from businesses, uh, individuals, families. I created some great and amazing relationships with people that changed my life moving forward. Over those relationships, I realized that what we do with computers is no different from what we do with human beings. The fixing and the solving that comes to play with computers, it's the same with people. We all make this mistake. We want to solve the symptom without actually getting to the core of the problem. And that happens in every element of the business that I do. So I've really honed my skill set to understand when something is a symptom. In other words, when it's being caused by something else and as a result, you can solve that symptom, something else will replace it. Then you solve that symptom, something else will replace it as opposed to getting to the core of the element, the actual problem itself, and just killing that dead. Once the problem's gone, symptoms are gone too. And that is the same, whether it's fixing somebody's computer or helping guide someone in fixing their life.
1: Hmm. Wow, I hey. love that. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about what you do as the Mac whisperer.
3: Well, I was really fortunate. Um, my father got an Apple computer when I was, you know, 10 years old, nine, 10 years old. And so I grew up with Apple technology. In the course of the things that I've done, I've had to learn Windows technology as well. I've had to learn how to use pretty much every system, but. I still love the way Apple technology works and the simplification, the way things just tie into each other. So, what I've done as the Mac Whisperer is I've made it my passion and my profession to make it as simple as possible for people to use their technology without having to fight it. Our technology is here to help us, it's here to make things easier. And so, as the Mac Whisperer, I create simple systems that allow people to do complicated tasks easily. I make sure that the different parts of our technological life, whether that's your phone, your watch, your computer, your TV, your car, your headphones, whatever the different pieces of technology are, I make them work together so that for the most part, you can do what you want to do rather than spending your life trying to solve it. And uh, because of those systems I've created, because of that way I've learned how to do, make it simple and make things work properly, I realized that I could also teach other people how to do that. So I started the Mac Whisper Academy, where I have gone through all sorts of different technological concepts, whether it's cloud computing and cloud storage, organizing, filing, learn how to to work with your photographs, learning how to play music properly. And I've taken those concepts that worked so well with my clients, and I started teaching them in a class. So once every month I pick a topic, and I have two classes on that topic at two different times, two different weeks. And uh, the members of the Mac Whisper Academy can come in and listen in real time. It's not like watching somebody on YouTube. We work in real time so that if you've got a question while we're talking about how to do your photos, you're like, wait, wait, what? where should I store this kind of photo? You can raise your hand and I can address it right there. And what I found is people learn better together. We're not that different. If you have a group of people that have the same knowledge level that you do around technology, they ask questions that you didn't think to ask. And so I have brought together a group of those individuals and continue to bring new people in on a regular basis that allows me to talk about, again, photos is one of my favorites. We have all these photos, nobody knows how to organize them, how to sort them, how to find them, how to edit them, how to share them. And And it's just this chaotic mess, but we're still taking more pictures and making it worse. <laughs> That's me. So I so I spent a couple of hours on the class talking about the systems that I use for organization, the tools that I use to make it easy. And then we do it in real time. We're doing screen sharing and I answer questions. That's the culmination of what I always wanted as the Mac whisperer. I don't want to fix it. I, I'm happy to fix it. I know how to fix it. I'm good at fixing it, but I want to empower you to take control of your technology in your life because technology is not going away. And the excuse that I'm not good with computers, people it's 2021, doesn't work anymore. They're not going away. So I hope that answers the question. Is
1: that a membership thing, the Academy?
3: Yeah, it's a membership thing. It's $150 per month, but there's a current trial membership going on. If you go to themacwhisperer.com, there's a link right on the page. And it's a half off 30 day trial membership. So you can sign up, go to a couple of classes, see if you like it. And if you decide to stay on, it's $77 a month. And I'm keeping... That costs the $77. Anyone who comes in at that level, you stay at that level for perpetuity. And I promise you, that membership price is going to increase as it gets busier. We're already, we're already seeing, I've got about 45 members in there right now, and I'm already seeing a big jump in the last month.
2: Uh, I oh. think I'm a person that needs that definitely because I have to learn how to declutter not only my computer, but my life. So Dylan, talk about decluttering your life as well as your computer?
3: Well, so, you know, it's the same thing, isn't it? The concepts that we use to work on a computer that would help you to get more organized are the same concepts that we use in real life. We've been given this this crutch. I'm going to call it the search crutch. The way things work with technology with Google, it's so easy to find anything with a couple of letters that we've stopped putting things away. We just go, I, I can just search, I can just search, I can just search. But the problem is the more you rely on search and the better search gets, the more results every search turns up. So before it was like you'd search a couple of letters, you'd get the exact right document. But now you search a couple of letters, you get 900 documents over the course of the last 20 years of your life. And you're thinking to yourself, what, why is it finding stuff from 1983? I don't need that file. <laughs> the computer's just responding to you searching. So the concept of decluttering to me, I always think about a teenager and the mother in a teenager's room. So the mother comes into the teenager's room and she opens up that door and it's a mess. There's a there's underwear hanging from the chandelier and there's old pizza cartons underneath the bed. You can't even see the carpet (laughs) and the desk is a joke and there's piles everywhere. And the mom looks at the teenager and goes, how, how can you find anything in this mess? And the teenager says, well, it's all just right in front of me. I just look around. And then 10 minutes later, the teenager says, mom, have you seen my cell phone? Have you seen my shoe? Have you seen my head? The theory that searching around and just leaving everything out works isn't true for the teenager and still isn't true for us. So when we talk about decluttering, the first thing that I teach people is everything's got a place. Your email should be sorted within the email program. If it's a communication between you and somebody else, keep it an email. If it's a document, put it in your computer, store it in a folder, create a filing system. i will talk about that in a second. If it's a photograph, put it in your photos program. If it's an audio file or a music, put it in your music program and create a system for each of those locations so that when you go looking for that song, that photo, that document, that movie, that whatever, you know where to start. And then if I can take that one step further, I created a system that I call the five-folder fix. The second problem people make if they put things away is they put things away in 99 separate folders. You open up your desktop, you've got 300 folders on your desktop. You go into email. <laughs> if you sort your email, That's you've me. got you know, 56 email folders. What I tell people is start with five. Create five generic basic categories. And let's talk about photos as an example. The categories might be friends, family, travel, home, personal. It could be other things depending on what you're trying to sort or what you're trying to find, but rather than letting the folders be super detailed and super specific, let them be as generic as possible. You can always have subfolders inside of those folders to locate within friends, my Mary Elkins folder. But I don't have a Mary Elkins folder on the front because then I'd have 999 folders. I know a lot of people, they all get their Mm -hmm. own folder. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) You wanna create five folders and encapsulate all your stuff into those. You can have three folders, you can have seven folders, don't have 56 folders, it's never gonna work. That decluttering thing is the same in real life as it is in your computer and I'll, I'll wrap on that concept. Imagine that every folder on your computer is a filing cabinet in your office. Uh-huh. How many filing cabinets can you fit in that office? Uh-huh. I'd say even five, maybe too many, right? And, and it's overwhelming. But when you start to look for something, whether it's a real filing cabinet or a digital folder, you look in every one of those folders. So if you've got 90, you're like, well, is it here? 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 If you've got five, you're like, it's probably in business. Okay, there it is. That simple, that simple concept, I call it vertical filing, that simple concept completely changes how you put things away because it's only got like five different categories that it can go into, and then you always know where to start.
2: Great advice, thank you. So do you go
1: in and declutter people's homes too or that's too much? Well,
3: I, I, you know, I don't really want to Marie Kondo, uh, yeah. everybody's life yeah. in that way, but I have certain concepts, uh, that I work with and I will go in and somebody's got a, everybody's got that drawer, right? That drawer where you've got all of the technology, all uh-huh. of the cords, all of the old discs and things, and you have no idea what to do with it. I'll go into somebody's house and they'll pull out that drawer and they'll, they'll all be ashamed as if we don't all have that drawer. I've even got that drawer.
2: I, I have got that drawer, of, I've, I've got, got probably got two or those. three of them. I have that desktop.
3: Right, right. And so what I'll do is they'll pull out that drawer or put me on their desk and they'll go, I'm gonna turn away And then you tell me what I need to keep. They never (laughs) want to watch me do it. It's it's a little bit too personal. And I was at somebody's house uh, yesterday. They went into their attic. They pulled up a Tupperware thing that, you know, you, you, you could fit a small tire in. I mean, the thing was huge. And it was packed with boxes. No actual technology was in it. They had kept the box from their phone from 2007, the box from their computer in 1986, the box that the paper came in for their printer that they bought 10 years ago. I I weeded through everything that was there. We ended up keeping three cords and an uh, an old iPhone that was in there that I just thought was cute. So I was like, you might as well keep it. It's not worth anything to anybody else. Uh So I, I certainly can go into people's houses. I'd rather empower people to understand the concept that we're keeping more than we need to keep, and it doesn't benefit you. I'm, I'm going to say one other thing about that that is a little Marie Kondo. Um, I just moved. I just moved, and it's the second time I've moved in the last uh, four years. Uh, prior to that, I was like 10 years at each place I'd been at. What I learned the last time I moved and this time I moved, before you move, cut yourself down to a third of what you're going to take to the new house. So every section, I go into my closet and I put three boxes out. One box is the keeper box. One box is the trash it box. One box is the give it away box. And by just slimming down by a third, my move was easier than any moves ever been. And getting situated in my new house happened in a couple of days rather than a couple
2: of months. Oh, congratulations. Um, That's a feat. Very good
1: advice. Yeah, very, very good advice. declutter i need that so bad and tell us now about north star man
3: okay so um i'm gonna talk about it in a couple of ways things that i don't know that you guys know about so i'm going to share a couple of personal things about me that helped me get there and then i'm going to talk about what i do in that business um when i was 20 years old I was in a relationship with the woman I thought was the love of my life. I was head over heels for her. Uh, we had a baby very, very quickly, my daughter, Phoebe. And, um, and then she took her life. She had a, not my daughter, the, uh, my daughter's mom took her life, uh, had a really bad bout with postpartum. And all of a sudden overnight, I became a single dad. And this started me on a track that I had not expected to be on about how do you deal with loss? How do you deal with change? How do you deal when things get turned upside down and you're expected to take care of a child while trying to take care of yourself and having a job and all of these things? That started me on a track that led me into Um, spiritual work, going to the Ojai Foundation and doing New Year's retreats there, meeting um, uh, Native American spiritual guides that I would work with. Fixing computers for a Native American spiritual guide was an interesting little (laughs) sidetrack, but he gave me as much as I ever gave him, uh, a man named uh, Andrew Solis, amazing, uh, amazing gifted medicine man. And along that pathway, I started to gather people That could help guide me. I fell into men's work around that time, and that men's work helped me really align myself with my purpose. I think you could probably ask a thousand people what their life purpose is, and you might get five or ten people that know. I know. I know why I'm here. I am a catalyst for positive growth in my life and the lives of those around me. I'm here to lift people up. That's my purpose and i found that through the men's work and then through other experiences including a challenging relationship birth of my son christian and most importantly my first experience at burning man where i was gifted with the opportunity to let go my of my daughter's uh uh, my daughter's mom's energy i was at burning man and it literally came up and out of me, this this other person who had taken her life 20 years to the day earlier, I did not know that it was 20 years to the day when it happened, but the spiritual catharsis that happened on that anniversary that turned me into somebody else. I had been carrying the weight of another human beings, unfortunately failed life for 20 years, And then she was gone. And it was like dropping the largest anchor that had been holding you down, that you have been like dragging across your life. And also I dropped it and I went up and up and up and along the way decided to carry as many people as I could with me, (laughs) finding joy in life, figuring out how to embrace change and how to take every opportunity that we have every day, every moment and use it to be better to grow every day. So I I love what you ladies are doing with this this podcast, which is all about how to not get stuck just because you're X many years old, how to keep growing, how to keep building, how to become something else other than who you are today. And I hope that I am on my deathbed, whenever that may be, and I'm learning something new on my deathbed. I'm 48 years old. I just picked up the guitar. I've Mm -hmm. never played a musical instrument. I have no musical experience whatsoever. I can't play. I can't sing. I've always wanted to do it. And that's what my life is about. It's about always growing and building something new. So as the North Star man, I bring that energy, that passion, that perspective. And I help guide people through trauma in their life, massive change in their life, divorces, deaths, help them find their joy, help them find their purpose, and help them realize that we're all in this world together and we're no different from each other. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're 20 or 90 years old, black, white, American, European, none of it matters. We are all souls on this planet and our purpose is to share with each other and make each other better.
2: Hmm.
3: I hope that answers the question. That's inspiring.
1: And do you (laughs) enroll people in a membership for that also?
3: Yes, I have a, I have, and uh, Mary was, um, Mary got to see a little piece of that. I have a monthly membership for the North Star Man group. You can find information about that on the northstarman.com website. And uh, that membership is uh, $90, $97 a month, I believe it, what it, mm-hmm. is what it is. We spend two hours twice a month together in a small intimate group where I bring a topic or a theme in, and I work with everybody individually and collectively at the same time, and we open up wounds that people have had, that they've kept secret from everyone in their lives, and we work our way through them so that on the other side of this two-hour call, you're better. I've watched people's lives change and be altered on this call.
2: And I also do
3: one on, go ahead.
2: You do that on Zoom.
3: Yeah, I do that on Zoom. I was using Zoom three years before the pandemic. So when everybody's like, what's the Zoom thing? I became an instant expert. I've been training organizations on how to use Zoom for the last year because to me, it's just the norm. I've been doing Zoom uh, coaching calls for three, four years before that happened. So I do it on Zoom. The video helps everybody stay connected. Uh, they're small, intimate groups, usually between seven and 12 people, depending on the cycle and where we're at and uh, our topic today was kind of what we're talking about here i called the, i called the call the constant change is a constant in all of our lives and understanding how to manage and deal with and work with this crazy constant of wow that's my new normal oh wait now that's my new normal oh wait now that's my new normal we watched this whole country transform through a pandemic and then transform back again? Well, but it's not transforming in the same way. So what's next? Um, The topic of the constant was teaching tools to help you stay present, to help you navigate change, and to help you do what I talked about earlier. It's not just about dealing with change and functioning with change, as both of you know. It's about embracing change. Use it. It's here to guide and teach us, and when change happens, it's your opportunity to look at who you are, and much like when we give away our, our stuff out of the closet and you, you know let a third of it go, it's the same. When change happens, it's the universe saying to you, it's time for you to look at who you are today and decide who you want to be tomorrow. This change is your opportunity to change with it if you want. And that's how I constantly process through those things. Oh. Uh, I, also, I also do one-on-one coaching uh, for people who either don't want to be in a group or want the group and something else. Uh, when I work one-on-one with people and I do it on zoom as well. And I generally it's 60 or 90 minute sessions weekly, sometimes, uh, every other week, depending on, on what people's schedules are. When I work with people on that one-on-one path, their lives alter. I've seen it. I've watched it for 10 years. The people who I get involved with in any, in any way, shape or form, even if I'm just your computer guy, the people that I get involved with your lives improve. Everything I touch gets better.
0: Hmm.
2: Talking about the pandemic and how it affected your work with your clients and your friends, what about how it changed you?
3: Hmm. <laughs> um, I, 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 I know the pandemic was really challenging. I know it was really hard. I know there are people whose lives were upended, who lost loved ones left or right. Uh, It very well may have been the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Prior to the pandemic, I was doing, you know, I was in the car four to five hours every day, every day driving to clients' houses back and forth. Yes, remote technology existed, but nobody trusted it. And so everything I did was in person and it took so much time and I was in the car so much, it was so stressful and so hard. And then overnight, I wasn't in the car at all, (laughs) at all. And for that whole year, I trained all of my clients how to do things remotely, how to do a one of my problems with remote administration has always been I don't want to just control your computer. I want to be in relationship with you while we're working. I'm not here to fix your computer. I'm here to teach you how to use it better. So, because of Zoom and the video conferencing of Zoom, Zoom also has screen sharing capabilities. So, I could be talking to someone face to face while I'm working on their computer desktop. And that transformed everything that I was doing. That's what really helped the Mac Whisper membership take root because we can all be talking and having a conversation. And meanwhile, I can show you how to organize your photos without us missing a beat, without my having to do other stuff. So I went from being in the car four hours a day to being in the car four hours a month, maybe. Um, I was new in a relationship. I had been in the relationship with my fiance Julie, for just under a year, maybe nine months when it happened. And um, I think it tested everybody. The people who got into relationships or were new in a relationship when the pandemic started, they dove in, they were like, I guess we're a couple now. And Julie and I managed to keep a little bit of separation. She had her own house. And so we spent a lot of time together, but we spent a lot of time apart as well. And we got to have this opportunity of, it's like we're a couple that's married, that's been married, that's dealing with this, but you can go back to your house now and I can have my life now. And it allowed me to see what that relationship meant to me and give me the opportunity to propose to her. I I proposed to her in uh, March of this year. It was our two year anniversary. Uh, Great story of how I proposed to her. We're, we're puzzle addicts, and we are constantly doing jigsaw puzzles. And I designed a jigsaw puzzle with all the photographs of the puzzles we've done over the prior year. And then I had the puzzle made with special pieces. And the pieces were letters that said "Marry me, Julie," oh.
1: and a ring,
3: and the picture of a ring. And so she had no I idea what we were that. doing. And she's putting the puzzle together, and gradually she gets more and more suspicious. She doesn't know that I've got all the letters and the ring in my pocket. And and eventually, all of a sudden, all you can see on the puzzle is the words that say "Marry me, Julie." And I'm like, "Oh, we're missing a piece." And I got down on my knees and pulled out the engagement ring-shaped puzzle piece. And slipped it on her finger, and that was the ring she showed her friends. I gave I, I gave her a real engagement ring too. That's the <laughs> ring she showed her friends, and um, and so after that engagement, as we really started to move through the pandemic, coming onto the other side we decided it was time for us to take everything we'd learned together, everything the pandemic had taught us and stop playing house and actually get a house and move in together. So that's, I'm, I'm in my new home. We bought a a home in North Hollywood. We're cohabitating for the first time. And all of that is something that I wouldn't have had without the pandemic between The time I had that I wasn't spending in the car, the business that I built for the Mac Whisper membership, the business I built for the North Man membership, the time I got to focus on being one-on-one with clients because I wasn't driving, so there was more time for that. It allowed me to transform who I was into who I wanted to be. And there was a realization somewhere along the line where I was like, in the men's work, we talk about becoming the man you always wanted to be. I am that man now. And that just happened. That happened through this process of going, oh, I'm no longer striving for him. I am him. And uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think it would have happened without the way everything unfolded. I'll say one last thing about the pandemic. My family has always been a close-knit family. We've always stayed in contact, we've always touched base. We're one of those nuclear families where my dad has his current wife, his previous wife, who he has a daughter with, and my mom, who he has me and another son with. They have always gotten together for events. So you will commonly see my dad and his three wives at birthday parties at Christmases. That was before the pandemic. When the pandemic happened, my brother, who's a life coach, and I, both of whom were using Zoom already, introduced the whole family to Zoom. And we did a family call every week from the beginning of the pandemic all the way through and it made us tighter than we've ever been as a family and we were tight to begin with but it made us tight and we had this offshoot my uncle my my mom's brother who has always been a little removed from my life and the family he started showing up to those family calls and it changed him Community, relationship, connection, I don't care how you get it, be it by the phone, be it on a podcast, be it through Zoom, be it in person, that's what makes us better people. And that wouldn't have happened without the pandemic.
1: That is, I love that story so much, because we've talked to a number of people that have found silver linings during the pandemic, including Mary and myself. We launched the podcast during the pandemic. And we wouldn't have known that we could have done a podcast all on Zoom. And this way we can interview people from all over the world. Absolutely. We would have tried to do it here in my house with, you know, the Yeti mic and the stuff, and we wouldn't have been able to do
2: all these guests that we have now. We've spoken to people in England, Australia, across the United States, all over. Canada. Yeah, that's right.
1: Canada. Canada, England, did you say England already? I did it's, say that, sorry.
3: <laughs> it, it, it's amazing because I know the concept of finding the silver lining. In my life, it's all silver lining. Even the stuff that's terrible is an opportunity to grow, to learn, to stretch, to change, to ask yourself, is this what I want? Is this who I want to be? Your reactions to what's happening are way more important than what's happening. Right. And, and so to use that. to use technology, I mean, it's such a blessing. The pandemic taught the entire world that there was a technological tool that could bridge geographical gaps like nothing else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say I'll say one other thing about that concept because you guys are living it. I've been a part of a men's circle for twenty years, uh, and these men's circles have, have altered my life. Uh, I find that women generally have their clump of friends but men for the most part are lone wolves and we've been trained to be lone wolves and don't trust anybody and it's a dog eat dog world and and the reality is men need that kind of support at least as much as women do and in some cases even more so because of all the challenges and struggles that happen just by being in this life as a man versus as a woman and we, we all need that support but men don't get it anywhere. So I've had these men's circles for 20 years. And about, I'd say, six months to a year before the pandemic, I changed teams. I had been on a local team. I'd had an issue with some of the men on that team. We just, we just didn't see eye to eye. I needed somebody. I needed people who inspired me. And I got invited onto a Zoom team. Again, before the pandemic, before everybody else knew about Zoom, this men's team was men scattered across the country in Canada. Uh And we became a team. And when the pandemic happened, it shut down the in-person men's teams all over the country. The organization I'm a part of has teams all over the country, and they were all dark. They all came to us to teach them how to do a meeting on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And it kept this men's organization afloat that they had resources like my team to do that. My team has a man in Canada. I've got a man in Syria. I've got a man in Vietnam. I've got a man in Ohio, a man in Oklahoma and five people that are down the street from me. But those were my friends. I brought those men in. So it's just so exciting that we were given this opportunity. And again, opportunity is the key word here. We were given this opportunity of this pandemic to learn that geography doesn't matter.
1: Hmm. But connection does. Connecting. And how do you guide someone to change their perspective on life and to embrace change and to reinvent themselves
3: and grow? Well, it really starts with understanding who you are. And and that's a, you know, that's a different process for everybody, but it's this opportunity for you to unload and really unpack what made you who you are today. One of the most important tools to embracing change has to do with being able to be present in the moment. And you can't do that when you've got all this noise and clutter in your head. So I teach people that we have two voices in our head. You've got... The loud voice that tells you you can't and criticizes you and tells you you're stupid and you did that wrong and I can't believe you did that. That loud voice that we all believe is us, isn't us. It's a tape recording of all the people around us who ever criticized us that we believed. We believed it, we filed it. Whether it was your mom or your teacher or that boyfriend or that girlfriend or whoever it was, you're repeating their negative input as if it's yourself and it's loud. Why is it loud? Because it's afraid for its life. That loud voice knows that if you stop listening to it, it's dead, it's going away. And as a result, it will scream and it will yell and it will convince you that you are an idiot. Meanwhile, we've got this quiet voice. And this quiet voice, the whisper, if you will, it's just there and it's always been there but you got to listen for it it's that voice when you're driving home in the way you always go home and it says turn left here you're like this isn't the way just turn left here if you can follow that whisper and take that gut instinct so like, okay i'll turn left here i don't know what it will guide you through the most amazing adventures and experiences in your life because it is the soul voice that's connecting you and all of us human beings together to truth. Why is it quiet? Because it doesn't have anything to be afraid of. It's not going anywhere. It is the truth. And that's the voice that tells you, you can, and you're strong and you're powerful. And it tells you your dreams. So I created a, um, a program that I call the eight personalities of success. And it takes the concept of the loud and the quiet voice, as well as these separate areas of our life, from the dreamer that believes in what it is that's bigger than us, to the professor who's always learning new skills, the comedian who learns how to connect and be social, the artist who learns how to appreciate and create beauty in the world, these eight separate personalities that work together with each other. When you understand who they are for you, how they represent you, you learn the weak spots and the strong spots in your eight. And in learning that, we unlock who you are, who you want to be, and a pathway to getting there.
2: Is that how you show people how to figure out what makes them the person they are? And are those the steps people should take to help them find their purpose in life? Your
3: purpose in life is a whole different conversation and 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 I can I'll lay that out very simply, which sounds like a weird thing that I could lay out the purpose in life that simply That eight personalities is how you become the best version of yourself, the most well-rounded version of yourself by addressing all of these eight separate pieces around the wheel of this um, of this life that we've got the and life. do you board. have I'm those avi- well-rounded
1: Are those available in a download? I do can- have them in
3: a download on my website. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's called The Eight Personalities of Success. And if you go to the North Star Man site, there's a link towards the bottom. You can put in your email address. It'll send you the basic pamphlet. And then if you want more information, reach out. We're going to be starting a course on the Eight Personalities of Success in about a month or two. I'm just waiting for the right people to find me who want that kind of uh, There we go. Exactly. Who want I'm that in. kind of information. We're waving. We're both waving. Let it reflect, (laughs) uh, let the audio reflect that
1: Mary and I are waving.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And and you can find that information on the website, and I'll make sure you ladies have an easy link to to get directly to it. Um, The path to finding your purpose is relatively simple. It comes with learning your boundaries, Each of us were born with specific boundaries in our life that we have not really communicated to others, not really understood. But when we cross those boundaries without knowing it, it causes emotional turmoil inside of us. And so the process that I find for helping you find your purpose has to do with discovering those boundaries, defining those boundaries, and defending those boundaries, And there's a specific process I walk people through that has to do with your internal emotions. You see, when you do something that is against one of your boundaries, you feel it in your body. Just like Spider-Man has his spider sense, you go, oh, that felt weird. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. And if you get attuned to that spider sense and learn why that happens and define it and live by those boundaries, your purpose rises to the top. For me, my purpose is I am a positive catalyst in my life personally and in the lives of those around me. I'm here on this planet to make people better. And that happened because when I didn't do that, when I allowed people to be their lesser self, when I enabled people to be, uh, maybe it was somebody that was an alcoholic that I would buy alcohol for, when it was somebody that was not having a job and I would give them money rather than encouraging them to find work or helping them put the pieces together. When I enabled my lower self, I felt terrible inside. I felt like there was this electric shock running through my body. But when I flipped it on the other side and I use who I am to be a catalyst for others, I I can't change you. Only you can change you, but I can bump into you and i can bump into you with energy and passion and and hope and some good tools and even if it alters your path by by 1 degree that's all it takes for you to live a better life <laughs> and that is when that happens when i connect with somebody as a as a client as a friend it happens with my computer work when i alter you by even just that 1 degree instead of this electric shock in my body i feel this helium effect like my whole body lifts up I just there's less weight there's something bright and light and powerful inside when you discover those two feelings that electrical shock or whatever it is for you and that uplifting feeling you'll, your purpose will find you it lands right there
1: yeah that's great advice yeah and do you have a mentor or mentors what what do you feel is the importance of mentors
3: I think that none of us do this alone, and, um, and we all find our mentors in different places. Some of the people that I've really learned a lot from, uh, there's a motivational speaker, well-known motivational speaker named Brendan Burchard, and I've been following Brendan Burchard for, I don't know, almost a decade, maybe a little more than a decade, from when he was in 300 people rooms Now he's filling 3,000 people rooms, although with the pandemic, obviously, that's a whole different situation. He's got an online uh, work that he does. He's a writer. Um, I followed Tony Robbins. Uh, My life was altered by Wayne Dyer, like dramatically altered by understanding what it is to be spiritual, to be a spiritual being. And then there are the people around. If you don't have mentors that are right around you that you can have coffee with, you're missing the boat. Um, I unfortunately lost one of my greatest mentors this week, uh, last week, last Tuesday, uh, a man named David Anderson, who I knew through the men's circle. And he was just a normal guy, but he wasn't. He was a teacher. He was a guide. He was an example of what a great husband, father, uh, friend, leader was. And being able to be conscious of the people around you and the tools that they've got, listening, connecting, just like we're doing here, being open to that, you will find that the mentors are all around you. I could list a thousand of them well, and it talking wouldn't scratch about, the surface.
2: Talking about mentors, I have a question that no one would expect anyone to ask, but talk about what you learn and continue to learn from your children.
3: <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. So let's, let's start with the fact that I have two kids. I have a 26 year old daughter and I have a, uh, and I have a 13, almost 14 year old son. Um, my, my daughter became, she had, because her mom passed away when she was seven or eight months old, she's never known what it was to have a mother. So she's needed me in a lot of ways and I failed her as all of us parents do. There is some point where you will fail your children. And in failing my daughter and working to regain her trust and be there for her, I learned humility on such a deep level. Because there came a time where I had to come to her and say, this is who I was. These were the decisions that I made. I did the best I had, and it just wasn't good enough. And I'm here with you now to say, I'm not that man, and I will be different. And I was able to bridge a gap. It took me four or five years of constant work to come back to a place where my daughter could call me and trust me and know that I was there for her. And so what I learned from my daughter amongst other things is an amazing depth of humility. And my daughter's amazing. The spiritual work that she's doing, she's just gotten, um, finished her licensing for being an acupuncturist. She lives in, um, uh, California. She lives in near orange County right at the moment. And so watching her grow, has has been an amazing experience for me to know I started her on that journey, but I had to stay out of the way for a large part of it and be here when she needs me. My son is different. My son at 14, my son uh, was diagnosed with uh, mild autism when he was uh, about two years old. Uh, he was recently diagnosed with something called IBD, which is inflammatory bowel disease, which is not IBS. It's a different situation. And, um, and these things have shown me my role for my son is very different. I need to teach him how to be the man that he's going to need to be, because I believe that our sons, it's a little different sons and daughters and fathers and mothers for me as a father, my son will either become me or the opposite of me. He will make that choice. But if I am one of those men who doesn't do internal work, who's just kind of lost in the middle of who I am, he's going to have to figure out what is opposite of the middle or what is embracing the middle. I want to make sure he's got an example of what it is to be a good, solid man who, uh, works hard, who finds a, a loving relationship and knows how to maintain it and keep it. Who, uh, creates connections with the people around him who doesn't take anything as a negative, takes everything as an opportunity. If I can become that man, then he has a choice. It's still going to be his choice, but at least it's a little bit clearer, which way works for you to be happy. Um, I I love my father. I love who my father was for me and he was a great man and had a lot of great characteristics, but he was in a lot of ways, that middleman. And as a result, I had to figure out, well, here's the parts of him I'm going to take. And then I had to take other parts from a Brendan Burchard or a David Anderson or whoever else to align myself to that higher place. I want my son to know that I can be that pinnacle for him. I'll say one other thing about uh, daughters and fathers. The ideal for me, taught through the men's work that I did, is that my purpose as a father to a daughter is to show her the kind of man she can marry. That's not to be some sort of weird Oedipal thing. It's to say, without an idea of who a good man is, a woman can grab whoever she sees and not know like, oh, he's abusive. I didn't know that wasn't what a good man is. Oh, he doesn't pay the rent. Oh, he he doesn't get off his butt. He just plays guitar and smokes pot all day. My daughter has seen the kind of man that I am and it's helped her to choose a man that I believe will take care of her. And that's what I've I learned. I so from
1: agree with you on that because our daughter, we have one daughter and if she's very influenced by her dad and did choose someone that's absolutely as strong as her dad and as caring and as giving and loving as her dad And it's it's been absolutely beautiful. They've been together eight years and they got married in a little micro wedding during the pandemic in our backyard with only the parents present because they didn't want to wait and see what was down the pike with the pandemic. And she, it's, it's really true what you say because that father daughter thing is critical as to who they choose for their life partner.
3: I, I, I learned it through, um, some of the relationships that I've been in and I learned it late. I mean, I'm, I'm the, the, the late boomers concept. I'm right on the same page. I am so late to the game on some of the things that I've learned and I'm grateful that, that, you know, I'm, I'm 48. So I'm not super late. I can still adjust, <laughs> but, but I'm one of those people who has to learn the mistake at least twice before I get it. And I was with two women who did not have a good relationship with their father. I didn't realize that if a woman doesn't have a good relationship with her father, she's going to have a hard time having a good relationship with a husband uh-huh. because she's missing that guiding principle of here's who the man can be. Here's what a father is. Here's what that looks like. And, um, I'm, I'm really, it was one of the first things I did when I met Julie was, uh, we went and I met her father and, um, She's got a great relationship. She's got a great dad. and I know, okay, we can we can play this game. i've got I've got a good relationship with my mom. I've got a good relationship with with my family. She's got a good relationship with her dad and her mom and her family. And uh, that's that's what it takes. We're examples for everyone around us, for our children, for our parents. I'm an example for my mom, which I think is such an interesting concept that as her child, she learns from me too.
1: Yeah, it's perfect. We're going to wind this up really quickly, but is there anything we missed that you'd like to add or any advice you have for our listeners?
3: You know, the one thing I'll say, and I talked about it on my uh, class today, with change being such a constant, being inevitable that it's just going to keep coming and things are going to keep shifting, the best thing that you can do is learn to be present in every moment. What I talked about on the call was imagine you're on Route 66, right? Someone on Route 66 planted these mile markers and all of these little roadside attractions so that you can't accidentally miss the road. You can't accidentally find yourself in, you know, some random state or Mexico by mistake, as long as you just pay attention, You can get from where you're going to the other side. And life is like that. You need to create these milestone markers, whether the mentors that you have, whether the relationships and the connections you've got, or whether it's just taking that moment and breathing and being present and connecting to where you are. We are so easily asleep with the things that we're doing. We're so easily not present. (laughs) And yet if you take a moment, Every day. People say, I can't meditate. I can't be still for 20 minutes. (laughs) Can you be still for three breaths? Because to me, that's better than nothing. And if you can stop and just, just wherever you are, wherever you're hearing this podcast, take a moment, take three breaths, look around you. Focus your eyes on the world around you. There's a secret there. There's some little piece of something that wants to say, hey, recognize me, look at me. I'm here for you. And if you can take the time every day to have that moment, your life will be uncommon, unique, and blessed. Oh, That's my final words there.
2: I Thank love that so much, Dylan. Our guest today has been Dylan Stewart, the Mac Whisperer and North Star Man life coach. Who will help you simplify, reimagine, and find your purpose in life? Thank you again, Dylan. And Dylan can be reached. Thanks. Dylan can be
1: reached on Facebook, in several places. So just Google him on there, Dylan Stewart, and on YouTube, he's all over YouTube, and he has the great websites, themacwhisperer.com and northstarman.com. And we'd also like to ask all our listeners to go to our website, lateboomers.biz, that's B-I-Z, and contact us and give us some feedback on our Late Boomers podcast. You can also follow both of us, Mary Elkins and Kathy Worthington, on Instagram and DM us on there if you'd like to. And look for our Late Boomers page, too, on Instagram. See you next time. And thank you again so much, Dylan. Thank you. Thank
2: you.
3: Thank you.
1: Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com.
2: This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.